The first reading is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 122, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 600 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. This reading describes the pilgrims' joy, praise, and prayer as they arrive at the temple in Jerusalem during the annual Jewish major festivals. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your, uh, within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, and was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The second reading is taken from Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 50. It can be found on page 97 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we read of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? O oh Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O oh Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. And so, Lord, as the prophet Habakkuk prayed, so, Lord, we pray that for ourselves this morning. As we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in week three of this six-week series looking at some of King David's psalms, looking at what it means to, to worship God together in all of our lives. And so today we've got Psalm 122, this very famous psalm. Anyone know anything about this psalm? Anyone know which famous event recently included it? There you go, Caroline, you the coronation. And does anyone know where in the coronation service it was used? 
That's right, it was. It was because it says, I was glad, doesn't it? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For every coronation since 1625, this psalm has been used. Perhaps many of the royal weddings over the past at least 50, 60 years, this psalm has been used. On Queen Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee service, this psalm was used as the entry music. We, we may not realize it, but this psalm is an anthem of arrival. As the pilgrims would have gathered in Israel. It was this anthem of arrival. Not only was it an anthem of arrival, it's just this anthem of anticipation, doesn't it? If you want to follow it with me, it's on page 600 in your Bibles. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You can get this sense of anticipation from it. And it's this, there's this sense of anticipation because it's one of the anthems of ascent. In the book of Psalms, if you, if you look, if you're looking on page 600, you'll see below it, it will say Psalm 122, a song of ascents. And if you look from Psalm 120 to 134, you'll find that there are 15 Psalms, if you like, Psalms of what are known as ascent. That in those times, what they did, the Jews would go to Jerusalem be encouraged to go to Jerusalem from wherever they lived in Israel and they were encouraged to go to Jerusalem for the three major Jewish festivals. We know them as Passover, Weeks and Tabernacles. And while they were there, as they went along, they would sing these psalms together. Just giving thanks to God. And this psalm, they'd sing just as they got within the gates of Jerusalem. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. There's this real sense of anticipation. This real sense as they arrived into the place. There's just a, a gladness about it, a joy about it. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is what Jesus would have done, wouldn't he? Luke 2, basically. Jesus with his parents, what did he do? He went with his parents to Jerusalem for the three major festivals of the year. And so what I want to use this psalm for this morning is to say how we can grow gladness in worshipping God together. You know, as you, as you walk up this morning, you know, as you came into this place, what was your level of gladness? What was your level of anticipation? You know, if I was to say to you on a scale of one to ten, what would you, what would you give me for your, for your level of gladness? Because the primary purpose of the church, isn't it, is to, is to worship God together. And I don't know about you, but I find sometimes, and maybe it's just me, and it might just be me, and if it's just me, then it's great because I'm preaching this message to myself, aren't I? Basically, and it's nobody else. But sometimes, perhaps, 
our levels of gladness aren't at perhaps the level of what it says in God's word there from Psalm 122. It's very easy for that, that gladness to, to drop, isn't it? Maybe it's just me. It's very easy to, to kind of like to, to settle for something less. And this psalm reminds us how worshipping God is about looking up to him. It's about how to overcome in our daily lives, isn't it? All the, the things that could just get in the way from worshipping him. Worshipping, as we remember on this Ascension Sunday, Jesus, the King of Kings. And so, as I was looking at this psalm and thinking about it this week, I was thinking, well, how do you grow gladness? How do you grow gladness in your worship of God that irrespective of the, the circumstances that we might be going through? How do we, how do, we do that? And I think this psalm actually, actually says to us three ways that we can do that. The first is that we grow gladness through repentance. You see, in verse one it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If, you don't, if you're thinking, well, what does the word glad mean? What is, he, what is the psalm talking about? He's talking about the word joy. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the word, I was glad when they said to me. In other words, I rejoiced. I was joyful when those other pilgrims said to me, I was by myself, and they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. See, joy is different from happiness, isn't it? Because am I happy this morning? Well, not really. I can't say that I'm particularly happy this morning because happiness depends upon our events, doesn't it? And, okay, I'll give it, I'll, I'll just sit down. I've, I'm from Middlesbrough, so I'm not feeling very happy. And I've lived in Middlesbrough for 30 years of my life. And it was amazing on a Sunday morning the levels of gladness in church where I went to in Middlesbrough were dependent upon how the team had done yesterday. So I'm not particularly, Martin's not particularly, he, will he be happy but whether he's joyful or not in terms of that? You know? It's different, isn't it? Joy comes from within irrespective of our circumstances. Somebody said to me, almost at the 8.30 service, they said, I was reading the Bible this morning and I came to this verse. They didn't know what I was about to say. They said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Those words are from Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. We could say, instead of the joy of the Lord is my strength, we could say the gladness of the Lord is my protection. You see, gladness has to be guarded because it protects you it protects you from all those things that can stop us from being glad in our worship the context of those verses from Nehemiah that he said was it was 500 years after King David had written this psalm and if you like Israel was just starting to understand again what it meant to be God's people they'd returned over the decades from exile in Babylon. And then they'd rebuilt the temple, the house of the Lord, and then they'd built the walls again around the city, and then they find a copy 
of the law of Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. And Ezra the priest starts to read it. And what happens is that as he reads it, he's reading it to Nehemiah and all the tribes of Israel as they're gathered in the public square. And when he starts to read it, what starts to happen is the people start to cry. They start to weep because they see this dichotomy between what God's word says and what was their practice in their lives. And so Nehemiah, what does he do? He, he tells the people to stop weeping and to repent and saying, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And what happened then was just this great outpouring of repentance before there was this great crescendo of rejoicing. You see, joy in the New Testament is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, isn't it? It's the outcome of receiving God's peace in our lives through the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, I've realized something just very recently. You know, we talk about repentance, and we talk about repentance in a word that we suddenly comes a bit difficult, doesn't it? A bit hard. Repent? Me? Why? But I noticed how repentance in the New Testament is always joyful. Have you notice that? Zacchaeus, the tax collector, full of joy afterwards. The Samaritan woman at the well, full of joy. The thief on the cross. And when we look at the disciples as Jesus leaves them on the ascension, what does it say as Julie read it? He said they were full of joy. Great joy. They were full of gladness. Repentance is how we guard gladness. It's how we guard gladness in our worship to the King of Kings. About three weeks ago, I was struck as I was in the Albert Hall that they actually encouraged us at an event that I was at to get down on your knees and repent. Now, my knees aren't as good as what they, what they used to be, and the, they're a bit long as well, my legs. And so the Albert Hall doesn't give you, does it? It doesn't, if you've ever sat in there, it doesn't give you much space to actually kneel. It's quite uncomfortable. But there was this corporate outpouring of repentance that led to this great rejoicing. You grow your gladness through repentance. Secondly, we see here, how do we grow gladness in our worship? By praising God. In verse four, to it the tribes go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. You know, Psalms mean songs of praise, doesn't it? That's what Psalms means. We praise God for who he is and what he's done for his attributes and his actions, for his greatness and his goodness. As we saw two weeks ago, if you were here, when we looked at Psalm 145, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is beyond comprehension. 
And then the Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. You know, some of you were, were here on, on Wednesday night and when we were worshipping God and as we were listening to hear, hear his voice, someone got this picture and they got this picture and this scripture that came with it from 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15 which says this, do not fear or be dismayed at this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Do not fear or be dismayed at this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. You know, sometimes people will, will phone me up and they'll, they'll give me a particular word from Scripture that they believe is, is for me. I don't know if people do that in your life. Or sometimes if we're worshiping God, someone will say, well, I've got this picture or this verse. What I tend to do the first time that happens is I tend to look at where it's from and look at what the context was. And what fascinated me is that picture came and that Bible verse came last Wednesday night was the context is... King Jehoshaphat and the Israelites, they're facing this huge battle from being overcome by an enemy force. And they received these words from that well-known prophet that nobody can ever pronounce, J-A-H-A-Z-I-E-L. You know, if anyone wants to have a go, then, then feel free, Jahaziel or whatever it is. But what did that mean? What did that mean in in practice, that they were to do. Well, we read in part that what they did was they fell down in worship to God, which would have involved some sort of repentance. But then we read that the priests then stood up to praise God with a very loud voice. And then what do we read in our New Testament reading from Jesus' ascension? We read the disciples were continually in the temple praising God you know something had happened hadn't it because six weeks previously they'd all been locked in a room for fear and they'd met the risen Jesus once and they were still locked in a room and yet now everything had changed they were just feeding their gladness by praising God you know praise is a weapon isn't it it's one of the most effective weapons that you, that, that you have as a, as a Christian in, in, in worshipping God because it defeats fear. It defeats disillusionment. It defeats dismay. It defeats uncertainty because all of those four things, they're robbers of gladness in worshipping God you see because what happens when we start to praise God is we move our attention away from the difficulty onto him because whoever we are whatever we we face in life whatever the circumstances we don't build our lives on the facts of our circumstances but on the truth of his word and we grow gladness by coming to him in repentance we grow gladness by praising him and then thirdly we grow gladness by praying to him. And in particular for praying for his peace. Do you notice how the last four verses of that psalm, they're just a repeated call, aren't they, to pray for peace? A repeated call to pray for God's shalom. 
on the city of Jerusalem, on the people of God, in the house of the Lord. You see, when we pray for God's shalom, when we pray for for God's peace, it means much more than sort of like saying, protect them from war or make sure that there's no conflict. You see, God's peace, his shalom goes much deeper than that. It goes beyond our human wisdom and understanding, as, as Paul would say. It actually means as well, God's prosperity, his well-being being poured out in your life. It means his presence in our life by living in a right relationship with him. And as Jesus left the earth, he left the disciples with the blessing the prayer of his peace. You see, today we still pray for the peace of Jerusalem because Jerusalem is one of the most conflicted city in the whole of the world. But actually, in the New Testament now, we remember that what Jerusalem was to the ancient Jews, the churches, to believers in Christ. And so if we're not sure what to pray for the church, then praying for God's shalom, his peace to reign on earth as in heaven is perhaps one of the best places to start. In our hearts, in the places where we live and witness in his house. You see, because prayer is the power behind creating resilience in our gladness in worshipping him. Repentance. Praise. Prayer. And it struck me we live in a very consumerist society more and more that we think gladness is received by taking. It's all about me, whereas what the Bible reminds us is gladness actually comes both in worship to God and also in our life in general from giving, of feeding ourselves. It's all about God. I mentioned a few moments ago, about a few weeks ago, how I was in the Albert Hall. And on one of the evenings that that we were there, I heard from some students involved in an outpouring of the renewal of God, which had taken place in Astbury University in Kentucky in February. Some of you might have read some bits about it. You know, this, this, this outpouring from this university that impacted all across America and further afield across the globe. On the 8th of February, 19 students decided that, that when their chapel service had finished for the week, they asked for permission to stay in the chapel and to continue to worship God that kind of carried on for 16 days and nights non-stop. The thing about Asprey is this, it's not New York. So it's not some big mega church or famous place. It's not even London. It's actually not even St. Helier. Apart from a small Christian university there, there's not much there. You could say Asprey is this place in the middle of nowhere. And when the world started to hear what was happening in, in Asprey, all of a sudden the pilgrims flocked there from all across America, from all across the world. 
You know, it actually became so bad in terms of the number of people there that the police had to actually stop off the roads from people getting in. The reason why was because the sewage system couldn't cope. That was how immense what was going on there. It was only then that they decided to, to live stream it. And if you, if you watched any of it, or if you, if you saw any of it, and you hear from the people who went, was that they, upon arriving in Asbury, even as they kind of just reached the edge of it, you found this sense of anticipation. That was before they'd even stood in the house of the Lord. And if you, if you were to look at it and say, well, what happened? Well, it was actually quite simple. They just sang songs. They just read the Bible. They just had some communal times and there was the occasional message. Yet there was what struck you was just this very deep sense of gladness. This very deep sense of, of joy that was marked first of all by, you know, there's a, there's, there's a hymn, isn't there? And I forget which one it is. I think I know, but I won't say it. You know, but there's a line in it that goes, keep away the love of sinning. I'm sure some of you will know which one I mean. And, and those students would talk about how nobody wanted to sin because the levels of gladness were so great that they knew that they just had to get right with God in repentance to him first. And then secondly, what it was mainly about, what they mainly did was they just praised God through their, through their singing, through their prayer. And they just prayed for God's shalom, his peace to break out in that place and across the world. And it strikes me that if we're struggling sometimes in our worship, in our levels of gladness, in our worshiping God together, then it, then it strikes me that, that perhaps those three areas that we've looked at about saying, Lord, is there anything wrong with me? Is there anything that I need to, to repent of? Lord, I'm just going to praise you for your greatness and your goodness. And Lord, I'm just going to pray for your peace, your shalom, to break out. Shall we pray together? Oh Lord, I have heard of your renown. And I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, would you remember mercy? And so if you're like me, that sometimes you find your, your levels of gladness sometimes drop. 
Maybe just take the moment now to repent. To say, Lord, I'm sorry. As we sang earlier, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. For it's all about you. And if you find that those levels of gladness drop, like me, We praise him for who he is and what he's done. His greatness and his goodness. And we pray for his shalom. His peace to break out in this place, in our hearts, wherever we will go. Lord, that we would be your people of joy and gladness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.